Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. We'll spend the majority of this episode talking about management's recent change to open time vacation trading. With me to talk about that is MEC Chairman Captain Will McQuillan and Negotiating Chairman First Officer Chris Gruner. Thanks for joining us again. Yep. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. So, Will, before we get into that, let's talk about a little bit of a recap of the last episode we did where we mentioned there's been a, a bit of a turning point as October 1st rolled around. Can you hit the high points of that for us? Yeah, well, certainly. October really was kind of a, a turning point, I think, a transition point for this pilot group, uh, both in terms of kind of where we were on the pandemic timeline and having a great deal of that initial shock behind us. And, uh, you know, also in transitioning with a, a third of our pilot group moving into various leaves and, uh, and or electing, re- you know, early retirement. As we said, it was certainly a time to be vigilant because the, the company's initiatives on cash burn zero and their newly announced productivity focus were were certainly giving us pause and and making us worry that they were uh, going to make changes to your work rules and quality of life. And in a way, it seems like we're seeing that come to fruition right now. Oh, indeed. We've seen that. Uh, The topic that we discussed on the last episode in terms of their attempts to make changes to the optimizer rules uh, was probably the the first piece and certainly the most troubling piece of evidence that we'd seen up until the, uh, the vacation issue that we're going to talk about today. Um, indeed, for, for two months now, talking about that optimizer, we've had to engage the company actively to protect the pilots from uh, the company trying to make changes to scheduling rules that would remove protections in your, your schedules, in your pairings that were mutually agreed to and based in fatigue mitigation and safety. Yeah, I probably should take a moment to, to pause and thank Scott Rubin and the entire scheduling team for their efforts in this regard. And, and what about more recently? Yeah, of course, David. Most recently, though, and I think the elephant in the room, the thing that's on everybody's mind today and uh, this week, was the letter that we received over the weekend from uh, VP of Flight Ops, John Ladner, stating the company's intent to remove what uh, he called excess days from the open time vacation trading uh, that began today. As a matter of fact, we're recording today. uh, was supposed to open at noon. And that's literally days ahead of when the vacation trading window was to open. Um, We know this got pilots very upset over the weekend, certainly got plenty of feedback on that. And that's what we'll focus on in this podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Before we get into those details, let's talk just for a minute that the frustrations are, are twofold. One, that they did this, but the other is the way that they did it and the degree to which they engaged ALPA in this proposed change. Oh, no, that's true. You know, after our successes at mutual problem solving with our pandemic-related MOUs and the LOAs and the EIL programs that eliminated the immediate threat of furloughs, it was disappointing to see just a return to the old tactics of making a company decision, briefing ALPA of their intent to implement it, without any time for the parties to like engage in any meaningful discussion, and then acting surprised that we were angry about them moving forward, especially when they tried to call it partnership. Well, if I may, uh, part of this, right, too, was um, after they already made the decision, right, they approached you, Will, if I'm correct, and 
asked if you guys wanted to help uh, pick which days could be removed from the open time solution. And, and I don't see that as partnership. You know, to me, that's making us an accomplice in your already, you know, poor decision making there and uh, undermining our contract. And it's not what we're here to do. No, uh, I, I mean, that's atrocious. Yeah. It's, it's akin to bringing your own ammunition for the firing squad. I mean, right. I, I didn't understand that invite at all. And obviously, I responded in, uh, I think, very clear terms that we didn't perceive they had any right whatsoever to make the change that they contemplated. And we would not be a partner to helping them make that change. Yeah. So it's like you've always said, and I've appreciated this from you, Will, it's uh, about making us uh, part of the decision-making process to begin with. You know, if there's a problem, identifying it, including your stakeholders and making sure that we have an appropriate and uh, uh, say in, in how we move forward. And that hasn't happened here. Yeah, no, that's that's correct. And I was a little bit surprised because I figured when they approached this issue and said they wanted to talk about vacation, I thought for certain they had to be talking about issues that would deal with the 2022 vacation award year process, whatever, whatever it was that they contemplated. Um, and I was very surprised to learn that, well, sure, they would like to have conversations ongoing about vacation. As you know, we were already discussing topics like vacation, you know, in negotiations. But I was somewhat stunned to hear that, no, they they want to have those conversations, but they also intended to move forward um, with this change in, in process of open time trading. And that was going to happen three days from now. Will, I think it might be useful to talk about the nuts and bolts of vacation days before we talk about the change the company is suddenly making against everybody's wishes. Yeah, I, I agree, David. I think that's probably valuable, and I'll try to keep some of that brief. But uh, brief history lesson um, was when Alpa got involved in the, the vacation process, and actually I got involved in the vacation process as the membership chairman at the time, was back in 2015. And uh, the MEC had passed a resolution um, with the company agreeing to provide the support as the, uh, the resolution recommended that the membership committee uh, be given access to audit the vacation award process and specifically to track the movement of the uh, open time vacation days through the four rounds of vacation bidding and just prior to vacation trading commencing. Um, the why of that was that the, the company was caught moving vacation inventory around uh, between rounds to create additional biddable blocks. And of course, that got corrected. Um, that process, you know, creating additional biddable vacation blocks between rounds could undermine seniority with somebody more junior getting a, a vacation that wasn't even available to a junior or to a senior pilot in, in the previous round. Um, it's important to, to understand that there are also multiple contractual focuses when we talk about vacation. Um, you know, part of what we audit, the easy math, if you will, is that each pilot gets their accrued value of vacation, your years of service per the CBA and the number of days that you are due with any longevity adjustments, for instance, for leaves and that sort of thing. Um, the other issue, which the CBA calls for, is that each pilot gets the opportunity to use their vacation per section, it's 7B3 of the CBA under allocation. And uh, I'll read it to you. That says that the company shall establish sufficient vacation periods so that all pilots may utilize the vacation that they earned in the prior year. And because our CBA doesn't restrict bidding to calendar weeks or standard lengths, 
having just the bare minimum number of days in the vacation solution will never work. Like we said, that easy math, each pilot getting their number of days that they're accrued. Uh, there need to be additional days added to ensure that in each future round of vacation bidding, that there are at least minimum seven day blocks available for pilots to bid, right? They have to be able to exercise their seniority to be able to utilize their vacation days that they've earned. And uh, historically what we learned since we you know, got audit access to, uh, to work on the, the vacation piece is that this means adding at least 10% additional days into the overall solution in a process that, as I said, it began years ago. Um, we have complete records of every year's data that proves that these extra days are necessary to ensure that there are actual biddable vacation blocks. Um, and the company's well aware of this. In fact, it's, it's their data, right? Um, when these additional days were initially added, which five years, four years ago, the concern over open time was raised and it was discussed and, um, the reality that vacation assignment processes and other post-round contractual adjustments, and what I mean by that is uh, pilots getting to keep their vacation for position bids that are in the subsequent year, that causes vacation to move around. Pilots that had uh, vacation that was lost due to training that had to be rescheduled, et cetera, um, that causes a lot of adjustment to vacation inventory, and that would mitigate the concern. Um, this was all transparent, and the company has had years to identify a problem with these extra days and has chosen to leave these days in year after year. You know, and along with that, Will, you know, we have a section in our contract 7D1 that envisions what you do with those extra days, right? It's trading the open vacation time. So there's a process when you have those days left over for pilots to be able to utilize those days. So by the company coming in, and deciding all of a sudden for the first time in their history that they want to remove these days, now that renders a whole section of your contract null. And it's similar to other things they're doing, right? Where they end up taking out the uh, reserve flying on a day off. Like we have all these provisions that give you the ability to adjust and move your schedule around that we've negotiated in good faith. And now the company, you know, just decides um, out of nowhere that they have the right to essentially take those provisions of your contract out. Yep. And I think I would reiterate too, that those are not extra days, right? When we talk about these, these additional vacation days, they're extra days beyond the minimum contractual. They are contractual days because they're necessary. They're necessary to ensure that that paragraph seven B three can be complied with. Every pilot has to get to utilize their vacation and it has never been our position that assigning a pilot a vacation because they had no options to even bid for equals utilizing their vacation. So, Will, I think I heard you right. For as long as this process has been around, they have never taken away those days of vacation. That's correct. All right, Will. Well, let's get back to one of the other more frustrating parts, which you alluded to earlier, which isn't just that they did this, but the way they went about doing it. Yeah, I, I've gotten a few questions, calls uh, about kind of how this played out. And so that probably is, is useful to discuss. Um, yeah, exactly. A phone call late last week um, that I received saying that they wanted to discuss vacation. Um, and, you know, that turned into not a discussion about vacation, but a conference call in which they wanted to advise me of what they were 
planning to do and then say, oh, sure, well, we do want to discuss vacation in the future, but this is what we're doing this year. And it's frustrating because that's just a regression into an all too familiar way that we've seen things play out here. You, you look at the JFK closure, right? It's a call to Joe Youngerman um, to advise him that it's happening. The optimizer rule changes that we, we talked about at the top of the podcast and, uh, you know, an emerging issue over our reserve pilots being able to pick up uh, trips on their days off. So how did the call go? Well, we had that call um, as well as another meeting last Friday with uh, Jenny Wetzel, who's the VP of Labor Relations, in which uh, I and a couple of uh, Joe Youngerman were on the call and took the opportunity to argue about this issue. And, you know, in both cases, we said that we, first of all, strongly reject the notion that they have any right to remove these days from the vacation inventory. Uh, monkeying with open time days was the original problem, after all, like we just said, that brought ALPA into the vacation process. Um, I said that if they had concerns, that the proper place to continue the discussion was at the bargaining table. We've been talking about vacation at the table previously to you know, COVID kind of slowing down the pace of our negotiations, and that's the proper venue to keep that discussion going, right? And I did remind them, too, that we're in the status quo period and they are not in a position to be making unilateral changes to any of our work rules. But that concept seems to be lost on them, or more precisely, it just doesn't seem to matter. Maybe this is a good place to take a pause and talk about the bargaining process and where there might be a better way to do this. Chris? Yeah, it's like we've mentioned over and over and over again, right? No matter what you call the framework, you know, there's an opportunity here to engage the stakeholders, us, the pilots, in issues that affect our lives, right? And if the company is able to approach us with a concern or an issue, right, we can have constructive discussions which solve our problems along with their own, then there's a better path forward in order to make sure that, you know, we emerge from this as partners. But um, we're not seeing that right now. And so it is distressing when the company is making changes without engaging us, um, particularly when those are issues that are uh, important and priorities for the pilots. So it's inappropriate ever, but it's just more distressing that they're fully discounting the concerns of the pilots right now. Good points, Chris. And I think that the punchline is that I asked very clearly if there was anything that ALPA could say or do that was going to change their plans to remove these vacation days in these calls that we're talking at these meetings. And I was told, no, these two meetings were purely to advise us of their intent to do something. Well, the obvious question on pilots' minds, I, I know the reps are getting this question often, is what are we going to do about it? What's next? What are the next steps? And as we saw today, there were almost no days and open time to trade into. Yeah, correct. It was a little bit stunning, I think, that we saw, and we're still doing the forensics on this and, and looking at it, but the data that we saw was only three bases had the ability to trade anything, and that I think in total there were somewhere, give or take, 160 days of vacation days available to trade, and that's that's a lot. That's like not a little inventory. That's a lot of inventory. And when you figure that this year we added additional vacation days, the 10% of the additional days were added to January for there to be no inventory anywhere in the calendar year, that's stunning. Um, you know, I guess to the big question that you just asked, the, the obvious answer is that this will not go unanswered. 
Um, this was dropped on us less than a week ago, and the impact of the company's actions are being evaluated very carefully prior to, to us responding formally. Um, we're consulting with representation, and the department is carefully weighing in on this, and the MEC will decide the best path forward based on their advice. Now, I, I know that's frustrating for pilots who are so, so upset, and trust me, your MEC has not seen a response from this pilot group like this in a long time. But the reality is, is that they chose to move forward. And the most prudent course of action for us is to plan and not react. Um, I should say the other question I get a lot is, you know, can I file a grievance? Should I file a grievance? And individual pilots are absolutely welcome to file grievances as well if they feel that they've been, been harmed in this process. And we should remind them that you have a full 90 days to do so. But rest assured, the, the MEC is formulating a plan on this one. So, Will, we have a lot of listeners who aren't pilots. And so if, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a minute and, and explain why this is so important to pilots, to uh, a, a person who doesn't live our schedules. Um, is it, it would, I think, help to understand what a big deal this is to us. And it, so if you don't mind. No, I think it makes sense. Let's contextualize this entire issue. Right. So pilots, we work, you know, there is some exceptions to this, but generally speaking, three to four days on and three to four days off. And when I say on, when we do a three day trip, we don't come home. We're, we're gone. And we don't bid these schedules until, uh, or at least we don't know what schedule we're going to fly until the month before. So it's very difficult to make long range plans for important events. And for our pilots who commute those days become even longer. And there's more and more pilots who find themselves having to commute because of changes to staffing or base closures. And before you know it, you may be working out of a base that your airplane doesn't depart from. So you need to add travel days onto that. So a three to four day trip for those pilots might end up becoming four or five days away from home. So, and that's that's something that we accept as pilots. It's just part of the, the lifestyle. But what that means is, there are, over the course of a pilot's career, many, many days that we are not at home, not with our families. So we miss wedding anniversaries. We miss birthdays of our children. We miss important holidays like uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and lots of these things. And so it, it's really helpful to be able to look long term into the future for the year and, and have days off that we know we're, are going to be off. So good examples of that are things I just mentioned, or maybe a child of yours is getting married. And, and so we'll try to bid a vacation over those periods, but more than likely, we're not going to be awarded a, a, a vacation week during those times that we need it and having the ability to trade a single day of vacation here or there allows us to have a little bit more flexibility not not very much but a little bit that we can hopefully get those important days off and without this ability to do that we have lost something very significant and so have our families so that's you know, you've got little kids that want you there at Christmas. Well, you know, and you're not going to be there. And Christmas is a difficult one, but anniversaries, birthday parties, things like that that are really meaningful for our family members and for us. It's nice to have a way to capture those days. And, and we've just lost that with this decision management just made. Right. The, this is incredibly personal to the pilots and it, mostly because it's an issue of scheduling flexibility. 
And we know that both from polling and feedback that scheduling flexibility is absolutely critical and precious, not just to this profession, but to this pilot group. Yeah. You know, I'll even take that just a little step further, David. You mentioned all these big dates, but what people take for granted, right, are the week by week things as well. Right. And so when you have things like uh, soccer practices and stuff that you're trying to do, people use these vacation days to coach their son's little league, right? These are family events and these pilots just keep getting restricted and further restricted on this. And, uh, you know, when, when pilots talk about their lack of scheduling flexibility, what they're really saying is it's, they're having a really hard time to have a, uh, at having a life away from work. And that's important to them. Thanks, Chris. And in the meantime, I you know, think we should also mention, because we did get a lot of questions over the weekend on this, um, and it bears repeating, the unilateral change that the company is applying here to trading with open vacation time, it's only for open vacation time. Uh, pilots' abilities to trade vacation with another pilot remains intact. Yeah, so some of you might have been confused by Captain Ladner's letter because he has a conversation about how he's taking away vacation open time. Yet most of the conversation in the letter revolved around pilot to pilot trades. So, you know, I suppose that maybe they see this as some kind of a clever negotiating technique to buttress their position. But however, what they fail to see is when they do things like this, right? It, it continues to undermine trust and makes it increasingly difficult to talk constructively through these issues. So now we're starting to posture, right? And then, so when that happens, negotiations revert to this crude give-take scenario instead of being able to move forward with something we can both be happy with. So I'm really, frankly, disappointed on how they're setting this up instead of just being able to come and talk to us about what their concerns are. When we got the company openers in section six, frankly, it didn't even address the things that they were bringing us at the table. So we have no idea what the path is forward. And so it's time to sit down and have a conversation about what's important to them, just like we've already provided to the company what's important to us and have been very clear on what those things are. Um, yeah, I couldn't yeah. agree more. And, you know, there are some people here at the company who are quite good at being able to identify the problem and work to actively problem solve and sometimes arrive at something that's mutually beneficial. Pilot needs are not mutually exclusive with company needs. Sometimes there really is a path forward. And that applies here too. Um, it, this is at its core, a staffing issue. Well, that's a good point, Will. You know, the company here is mistakenly focused on a tool, right? The day-for-day -day vacation trading. Um, but just like you said, the area of concern that they're actually looking to address here is staffing. And as with any staffing issue, there are multiple ways to address this concern. And frankly, the company hasn't made the case that there aren't other ways to address the staffing concern that don't have a disproportionately negative impact on your lives, like adjusting people's vacation does right now, especially, you know, without a clear path forward and a discussion with us on making sure it's something that's appropriate, you know, for the stakeholders here in this company. Um, you know, and there's one more piece here, too. I, I think I, I want to be clear. I am concerned that the company is trying to get us to negotiate back things that we already had. So the quality of life, just like we've been talking about here at this place, is already cut to the bone. And taking away more is not the answer here. So what we need is a good faith bargaining effort, right? So one that and, and in order to do that, that's going to require an acknowledgement from the company 
that our contract and previous agreements have meaning and that your concerns have merit. So that's kind of the crossroads I think we're at right now. And we haven't seen that kind of an effort from the company yet. Yeah, and that's a, a super valid point, Chris. I mean, just no changes, period. I had the opportunity in the last week to have multiple conversations with other chairmen on this concern. And it's not just our concern. You know, everything moves forward from here, not back. Yeah. And I just want to reassure everybody that, you know, your negotiating committee, so me, Drew and Rob, we're fully committed to advocating strongly for your priorities. And that's the mandate we have from the MEC. And uh, I also want to remind you guys that you are the final arbiters of this contract, right? It's not going to an outside arbitrator. So your affirmative vote is required for this contract to be approved. So like I told you guys, when we started this process, right, write down a list of what's important to you. At the end of the day, take a look at that list, see if the contract meets your expectations. That shouldn't change. Yeah, I think that 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 bears mentioning, too. And we've seen here with the recent round of polling that was just concluded, pilot groups priorities remain intact. Well, in your chairman's letter that that went out a few days ago, there was an issue that may be new for pilots about the seeing eye machines. Can you explain a little more details of, of what transpired with that? Yeah, certainly. Seeing eye machines is a it's a scan tracking technology. It's a hardware and uh, obviously software product that the company um, apparently had met and partnered with Seeing Eye Machines, the company, uh, for the potential installation of this product in our sims. And the company approached the MEC looking for our approval for the installation of the um, the Seeing Eye Machines product. And uh, we were given a, a full briefing and a full opportunity to interact and ask questions about it. And, and simply put, we had major, major concerns um, about this technology and about privacy and about in and around Section 30 concerns with you know data that it generates. And we just were not comfortable moving forward. And the MEC indicated that lack of comfort and their disapproval um, in a letter that went to the company back in May. Um, and you know, it seems to us we've learned that the company was moving ahead at the very least to install the hardware into the Mac Sims, even after being told the MEC was not comfortable having this anywhere close to, to the training environment. Um, you know, we can get into those reasons on a, on a different podcast if you want, but even just the, the presence of the hardware and the fact that there's absolutely no visible means of knowing that it's in operation, you know, should give every pilot concern. Um, we we've, we've did recently raise this issue again to Jenny Wetzel in a private conversation, and there is ongoing follow-up. So this is maybe not all set in stone. Uh, we're still awaiting a response, but I think it's important to note that you know what happened here again was the MEC said they had no comfort. They were asked for, you know, their their blessing to move forward. They said they weren't comfortable moving forward, and yet they persisted. Um, you know, it just it's a disturbing return to the mindset that management gets to do what they want, and the pilot groups along for the ride. Yeah, well, you know, I've heard both of you mention on multiple times that we're relevant stakeholders in the outcome of this company, and it would be good if they'd bring us into these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. We have a perspective that in many ways, you know, we can bring issues to light that they haven't considered necessarily. And that certainly applies in the issue that we just discussed. But we do need to be partnered with 
if those viewpoints are going to be advanced and if this airline is going to be successful, candidly. Um, we have proven time and time again, not just that we have input or opinions, but our SMEs can oftentimes produce much better outcomes or can assist the company in much better outcomes when they are engaged in the decision-making process. You know, And as Chris did a very good job of saying and has said many times before, we've proven time and time again that company goals and pilot priorities can be addressed together. They're not mutually exclusive. But some people in flight ops seem, you know, to truly understand that, and they are committed to capable, true problem solving. But that perspective needs to be the rule, you know, and, and not the exception. Uh, as Chris said, too, this MEC remains purely focused on achieving your goals, nothing else. And, and candidly, it's frustrating that we have such an inconsistent approach from company counterparts. The best path forward is to return and engage us constructively in problem solving and address pilot concerns, you know, in, in negotiations, not in these continual one-off approaches. We, we need to be having a dialogue. And I think, you know, the obvious key point is that the MEC is going to continue to fight and resist any erosion of the contract. Well, I know this issue is on everybody's mind and, and it's maybe we didn't give all the answers that pilots were hoping for, but remember it's an evolving issue and we'll keep you informed as this process moves on. Will, before we close this up completely, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, and, and before we move on to, I guess, more general thoughts, I will share the observation that I think the company's a little bit surprised at the reaction to all of this. Um, the, the pilot feedback and a, a lot of the, the reaction really took them by surprise. And all I can say is that I warned them that this would not go well for them. But they, they still made a decision to move forward. And obviously that's disappointing and it shouldn't be a surprise to the company you know, that should be aware of what its pilot's priorities and needs are. But I think in closing though, I'd like to focus on the positive and that is that once again, I'm seeing such a strong display of unity as we face yet more company generated adversity, right? And unity is what got this pilot group through the adversity of the pandemic, you know, months ago. Um, and it's what's going to get us through this latest issue as well. We have a, a great group of volunteers, and I want to remind everybody um, that the election process is playing out in both Portland and Los Angeles right now. And I, I do want to thank those who have stepped up and remind everybody else in those bases to participate and vote. It's it's important. It's part part of the process. It very much so. And, you know, I'll say I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. When I was new in Alpa, I thought the job of the rep was the person that you call when you get into trouble. And that is true, but that's just a minor role of, of what they do. And the, the rep position is one of the most important in all of Alpa structure. They are the pilot's voice at the governing table. And in this case, it would be at the MEC, but also at the big national level as well. And so it's really important that we get good people who are committed to the process. And and I will say too, now I, I've been an active volunteer for many years and I've seen a lot of uh, MECs go through. And, and one of the reasons that I think we have been as successful as we have lately is we've really got a good team built. Uh, people are working together well, they're committed to the pilots, they're committed to the process. And uh, we really want 
that to continue into the future. I think often the MEC officers will, you in particular, get a lot of credit for what has occurred, but really it's the reps who make the decisions about where the MEC goes. So this issue that we're talking about right now, the, the question of what comes next, what do we do, that will be an MEC rep decision. They'll decide and, and they'll decide on multiple other things that pilots probably care about. So my recommendation to all the pilots listening is who are in Portland and, and Los Angeles is find out who's running. And, and if you don't know them, call them up, find out what they think. Is that the same thing that, that you think is important? And really make sure that, that you're sending someone who's going to have your best interest at heart. Yeah, I, that's a very good point that it really is. Well, first of all, it's always a team effort. And that's the reason that we've been able to divide workload and we've been able to accomplish a lot is because we have a good team that is focused on very much the, the same goals, right? And so equally as important is finding somebody who is running in, in your candidates when you look at them, what's their what's their work ethic? This job takes a lot of effort. So I, I guess to your overarching point, people need to be focused, engaged, and you know, very carefully consider, you know, who steps up for these positions and who ultimately is is elected. Both the nomination and the election process is what I'm saying. Right, Will. That's very true. So moving on from that, what should pilots be doing now besides voting if they're in LA or Portland? Well, certainly, uh, you know, as we've learned here in the last couple of months, it's critical now more than ever to to stay involved and stay vigilant. Right. Um, there's a lot happening. And for our pilots who are on leave status, whether they're on EILs or, you know, ELOAs, also staying engaged because what we're talking about with our reps, what we're talking about with our team, we're advancing your goals and your interests. So, you know, stay involved and stay vigilant and, you know, take care of each other. I always say that, but it's very, very true that what really what we've learned through a lot of this is that all we have is each other. And this pilot group has stepped up time and time again to demonstrate that they're very capable of taking care of each other when the company doesn't take care of them. So, and as, as Chris said too, one final you know, caution that everybody needs to participate because we need to guard against any erosion of the contract that we've earned. Um, the, this MEC, this team has no interest in negotiating back that which we've already earned. Okay, well, thanks. That's an important point and, and I think a good one to close on. Thank you to both of you. Nope, thanks very much, David. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it David. Yeah, and as always, I'd like to thank our listeners. This concludes another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. 